Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. We have a busy show for you guys today, obviously. The theme of the week for the Pittsburgh Penguins is injury news, so we will get into Jeff Petrie as well as Jason Zucker's injuries and timetables for their return, as well as a preview of tonight's matchup against the Florida Panthers and a look ahead at the next nine games because if you include the Dallas Stars, it is a tough 10-game stretch that me and Horwat will look at and determine how we believe the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to come out on the other side of this in 2023. But let's start with Jason Zucker and Jeff Petrie, specifically Petrie because that's the one uh, we expected to get news on on Wednesday. It comes out that he is going to be out longer term. He is placed on LTIR, which is long-term injured reserve for the uninitiated. He'll be out a minimum of 10 games, 24 days, which brings him back at the earliest on January 8th against the Arizona Coyotes. But based on what Mike Sullivan said and the way he said it yesterday, doesn't seem like he'll be making it to that game against the Coyotes, does it, Horwat? It's tough to say. Uh, all we really got was longer term. Uh, <clears throat> but that does push him out for a long time. That's also in the midst of, that's a Western Conference trip, is it not? It is. It would have to be if it's Arizona. Um, oh, it's awkward. Oh, that's weird. It's, it's Vegas, Arizona. Uh, and then they go back to California. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I was going to say, because in situations like that, it's it comes down to, well, they're not going to travel. So maybe it's most likely that that's how it plays out, and then he just, um, if he's all well and good, plays in that first game back. Surgery is not required, so I think that's a bonus. I mean, I didn't expect surgery to be required, especially whenever, after the game, he said he was okay. Strangely enough, I don't, I, he, nothing looked swollen, nothing looked uh, off. Um, but I mean, he left the game early and, uh, on every replay I saw, I haven't looked back into the replays, but everyone, on every replay I saw, nothing looked terrible, but then again, maybe I just missed it. Uh, he, he was in obvious pain though. Mm-hmm. He was in very clear pain, uh, hustled down the runway and now here we are. I mean, he said he'd be okay and now it's long-term injured reserve. So tough call to predict predict if you will when he'll be back uh, mm-hmm. but I would not ex- I guess I wouldn't expect that Arizona game either just because there's travel there uh, you're just going to keep him at home travel with the team you got you got a day afterwards where you can you have a travel day afterwards where you can uh, split flights if you need to and go from there yeah I'm no doctor but it did look very bad from my vantage point I mean the way that his wrist got bent backwards and he got hit into the boards by a rather large human being in Alex Tuck but I'm not a doctor if it doesn't require surgery maybe it's not broken Uh, we saw last season Brock McGinn had a broken wrist and I believe he missed one full month or maybe two full months I'd have to go back and check but he missed at least one month Um, whether or not it's a broken wrist or a sprained wrist would uh mitigate the difference between that for Jeff Petrie, but it's unfortunate for him because he had really started to come into his own on this Penguins blue line and become an integral role, as I talked about on Penguins to go yesterday, for this Penguins team. And one, taking some of the pressure off the shoulders of Chris Letang, some of the minutes off the shoulders of Chris Letang, it allowed Letang to not have to worry about the penalty kill as much. Um, And two, it gave them a really good option on the second power play or potentially at the top power play if they needed a little bit of a jolt. But now the Penguins will be without Petrie for, as you mentioned, longer term. 
Uh, but with that, they did open up some cap space with putting him on LTIR, brought up Mark Friedman and Drew O'Connor. I would venture to guess that if the Penguins don't need to use them, they won't. I don't think either of them will be in the lineup tonight against the Florida Panthers, but it'll be a case of does Danton Heinen, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes, does Danton Heinen pick up the pace and uh, look like the Danton Heinen the Penguins need him to look like? And two, do they really do they want to test out Mark Freeman at all? Because this is the second time he's been called up. He didn't play at all in the first stint with Pittsburgh. You know, I would assume that. Uh... Would I assume? I think so. I would assume that maybe Friedman gets his, gets a game or two in, uh, just mm-hmm. because you never know. You want to filter out the def- the defense, and he plays that Chad Ruedel side, you know. So maybe because you're and Chad Ru- Ruedel's a guy you're able to hand a healthy scratch, and it doesn't affect it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking maybe Friedman slots in for a game or two, and that's even without any injuries, maybe just to get some sea legs under him. You never know. And then um, as for Drew O'Connor. Yeah, I don't see that one happening. I just don't. Uh, the Drew O'Connor one I don't see happening, mostly because I feel like we have at least a little more confidence in Danton Heinen. I mean, it, the wheels have to completely fall off Danton Heinen for them to healthy scratch him over Drew O'Connor, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it's an injury replacement for a week-to-week basis with Jason Zucker, which we'll get into, but I just don't see it necessarily happening. I, I, the one thing I do not want to see, though, is this is what happened last time we had an injury like this. Uh I don't want to see Mike Sullivan hit the shuffle button on this uh, lineup. That first line clicks. Do not touch it. Don't be oh, just. Yeah. Don't just because. Don't galaxy brain it. Just because someone somewhere else is out of the lineup. Okay, all of a sudden you need to change everything about the first line. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can keep it as it is. And now that I'm remembering it was the Jake Ensel injury that hit the shuffle. Still, still Raquel should have been moved. Don't do it again yet. Mm-hmm. As for the if we're putting Heinen on the second line. I mean, you kind of have to, because who else? He, are you? He's who the else? only guy that has that pedigree. Yeah, because you're not gonna say, "Hey, Brock McGinn." No, as he's scoring goals, but they're streaky, and yeah, it's just not the same kind of level. Mm-hmm. Now, Dayton Hine is not the same kind of level, but um, he is at least got the. Everyone raves about his shot. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about how good his shot is. I mean, now's as good a time as any to prove that you still have it, right? Yeah, I, I think the the determination comes down to Dan Heinen this season is vastly underperforming where he should be at, and Brock McGinn is overperforming where he should be at. So you kind of want to take the standard mediation, if I want to use a math term that I'm probably using incorrectly. Uh, you want to take the guy that when he levels off is still going to be the better player. And in my opinion, that is Danton Heinen. So we'll see what happens in Florida. But at practice, Heinen was up on that second line with Evgeny Malkin and uh, with, who's on the right side there? Brian Rust. I don't know. I couldn't remember that. Uh, And Brian Rust. But speaking of the second line, let's talk a little bit about Jason Zucker because this injury came off of what we suspect is the block shot that he had late in the second period. Went down the runway, came back in and played the rest of the game against the Dallas Stars. Helped the Penguins off to a very important victory. And now will be out week to week with a lower body injury. Zucker has 20 points on the season. Six goals, 14 assists in 27 games played. What do you make of the Zucker injury? Obviously, we talked about Petrie coming into his own. Jason Zucker as well was having a really good season in a contract year. And somebody who has been deemed as... I wouldn't want to say fragile, but injury prone is the words that have always been used to describe Zucker in, in Pittsburgh. 
And in a year where he looked like he was doing everything right, just another setback for Jason Zucker in Pittsburgh. Boy, it's tough. It's tough because uh, we, like Solomon said, we feel for him. And we do because ever since he got here, we're going to put his, you know, lack of production last two seasons aside for a second. Excuse me. And just say that he's been injured to hell and back every year except for the except for the covid shortened season where the season was cut short so we couldn't even play a full or finish out the season here yeah that was 15 games 15 games 12 points hey good start and then injuries help out uh a 38 game season in 2020 2021 and then 21 22 41 games and now through 27 out of i think he only missed two so far out of 29 um this week to week it it hurts it sucks because uh he was finally on to something he was finally gaining some momentum finally gaining some ground and it's just i'm not gonna say it's part of the game he plays we know he plays just a rough grinding game but mm-hmm. this was a blocked shot there's <laughs> not at least if that's what we, if that's what it is there's not much you could do about it yeah it just must have hit at the wrong spot and I that's can, again that's when you look at it and you're like how how does it always happen to this guy yeah it looked like it was a knee from what I saw, again, didn't look at any replays, but I just saw it hit his knee. He immediately kind of crumpled and limped the entire way to the locker room, but mm-hmm. still came out for the third period and then helped with the game winner. Um, got an assist on it. So who knows exactly uh, what went into putting him back in the game, but like I said, he was finding his game. He was finding some momentum, finding his points. He already has 20 points this year. That's more than he had the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. 18 and 17 respectively in the last two years um he's found a nice little home with Evgeny Malkin he's found a nice little home on that second line and he was helping the team in more ways than just getting 20 points I mean he was how many times we have to talk about how much that second line drives play mm-hmm. how many times are we going to bring that up all the time we're going to keep bringing it up well not for the next couple weeks we might not but <laughs> yeah. um that line was arguably one of the better lines on the team sometimes. And this uh, isn't going to be an easy injury to pull through with, pull through from. Uh, but, man, we just, at the end of the day, you feel for the guy. Yeah, you mentioned he had 20 points, 27 games played. That's a really good pace. That's an 82-game pace of 61 points, which would be the second-highest mark of his entire career, only behind 2017-18 when he was with the Minnesota Wild. So you hope he gets healthy. You hope it doesn't adversely affect the rest of his season because, I mean, it's a contract year. You don't want to see a guy struggle in a year where they're trying to earn a little bit of momentum going into a contract summer. So... Obviously, Jason Zucker is very important to the the camaraderie and the chemistry of this team. Obviously, he's very important to the second line and Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust and what they've been able to do this season. So you just hope that he's able to come back and it's closer to one week than it is two or three or four weeks. Um, But we'll have to keep an eye on that. But like we already mentioned, Denton Heinen's the, the guy that, as of right now, is being tasked with that duty of second line left wing. How do you think he fits with Evgeny Malkin? And, and Brian Rust. I know we talked about he fits better than McGinn, but how do you think he fits in general? That's a very interesting question because I, from what I remember, trying to build lineups at the beginning of the season, trying to predict <clears throat> lineups heading into this year, you know, I, I don't think, because we, we didn't know what to expect from Jason Zucker, um, 
I don't think you would have been completely out of your mind starting the season with Heinen on the second line next to Evgeny Malkin ahead of no. Jason Zucker, who, like I said, you know, was coming into the season on some pretty, pretty poor play. Found himself in the playoffs a little, but was just battered to hell. He had to have his own stool on the bench mm-hmm. uh, during the postseason. So you wouldn't have been totally out of your mind playing Heinen on the second line with Rust because that's where he should have been this whole time. Um so I think it's going to be an interesting little experiment. Obviously, it's not what we're going to keep, given what Zucker's done this year. But it's an interesting little experiment of, let's see if the, if our hindsight is correct. We're actually going to see our hindsight play out a little bit here. Our mm-hmm. you know our idea of Heine could start on the second line. We'll see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. We have some important games coming up that um, are going to really tell what Heinen is worth this year. He's going to have mm-hmm. the increased ice time obviously he's going to be in the lineup after getting scratched for five of the last seven but not only is he going to be in he's likely going to play more than seven eight minutes however many he played in those two games yeah Um, but the second line i would hope so yeah unless unless we're totally wrong and he doesn't play in the second line and he's somewhere else which is totally possible but i just don't know who would be where Mm -hmm. um i think uh it's going to be a big test for him big old test where's his name Somehow, by the way, he's one of the 13 players who has 10 points this season. <laughs> he had a hell of that, a start. It, it, well, that third line had a really good start, too. Don't forget, you know, Kasperi Kaplan had five points in five games. Jeff Carter did most of his damage in that early portion. That's when Danton Heinen was, you know, not performing so far underneath the bar. But yeah, like you said, he played seven and a half in his last game at Buffalo. Picked up an assist, by the way. And then uh, 918 in that Columbus Blue Jackets game. And that's where he's been at so far. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a lot of his points came early in the season. He had two assists in game Mm -hmm. one, a goal in game two. There's three in the first two. Yep. Yeah, no, with with Danton Heinen, I I think the one thing you're going to see, and I don't know why, and and I, I don't know if there is anything there. I doubt there actually is, but it does seem like Mike Sullivan's patience is very thin when it comes to Danton Heinen because of his defensive deficiencies. Because we might see it as early as tonight. If Heinen starts on that second line and they give up a goal because Heinen wasn't playing defensively enough, uh, you might see Brock McGinn out there very quickly. You know, we saw McGinn out there in favor of uh, Jason Zucker for one shift or for one period in, in a game over the weekend. So if, if it's Heinen, I'm sure Sullivan is much more likely to pull the plug on, on Heinen for McGinn's switch than he was for a Zucker for McGinn. But what I think happens with Danton Heinen is he changes the entire complexity of that second line because what Zucker brought was forecheck, physicality, net front presence. Danton Heinen is none of those three things. So that's going to have to change what Brian Russ does. That's going to have to change what Evgeny Malkin does. And I was going to say, listen, you might see one of those two players, their goal numbers might drop off because you're bringing on another trigger man onto that line. Somebody has to be the facilitator, but Evgeny Malkin has one goal in the past seven games. Um, So it's not like his numbers can drop much further. I think if anybody, it would end up being Brian Russ that has to turn into more of the facilitator with Malkin and Heinen end up being more so of the trigger man on that line. And that's perfectly fine. Ryan Russ is a great... Uh, he is. But again, it's the same thing of like when Ryan Paling went out and we said, yeah, Brian Russ is a good penalty killer too. It's like, yeah, that's great. Brian Russ is great at a lot of things. But the Penguins are at their best when he is a goal-scoring trigger man that also facilitates in the, in the meantime but plays mostly five-on-five five in power play. Not when he's 
eating up three, four minutes a game on the penalty kill. Not when he's having to be fully a facilitator because Danton Heinen isn't quite that type of player. So, you know, it is something that he can do, but it's something that if the Penguins are all systems go, he doesn't have to quite do. And he's more so on that trigger man position. What would you think of the idea that with that line on the ice, maybe the defense needs to facilitate a little bit more too? Because we've seen P.O. Joseph really gain some confidence. He can do a yeah. lot of things right now. Maybe he can dish around a little more. Um, Latang is back. We know what he likes to do, and that is pass the puck over, shoot it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not saying like that is the answer. I'm not saying, hey, anytime this line is on the ice, defense, do a little more. But I'm saying <clears throat> make it a little bit more of a team effort. I mean, it already has been. I mean, yeah, 13. Don't, don't, don't put him out there with Brian Dumoulin and Jan Rood all the time. But yeah, definitely don't do that. As, <laughs> exactly. as good as Jan Rood has been, it's um, defensively minded. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, this team is getting production from all over the lineup. 13 players have 10 points or more already. Yeah, We're 30 games into the Not even 30 games into the season. Tonight's game 30. That's an impressive number. We're one of three teams in the entire league to have that kind of number. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Dan Heinen is one of them should give a little confidence. I mean, like I said, his, he got an assist last time he played. So we know he still has some sort of production in him. Yeah. Um, I think if the defense can help with that, help produce a little more. I mean, they have three names on that list too. Jeff Petrie being one of them. That hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you get a little push. You know, Maybe. Like I said, P.O. Joseph's got all kinds of confidence. Maybe you just toss him out and say, move the puck, find Malkin, find Rust. If you need to, find Heinen because he's – the amount of times I've seen people talk about his shot, it's incredible. Well, yeah, he has a great shot. It's just a matter of does he release it and does he get into the position to release it because he's – I don't want to say easily knocked off the puck, but compared to a lot of guys, compared to the guy he's stepping in for in Jason Zucker, he's a lot – more easily moved off the puck. And I'm going to say something really quickly before we had the break. I love the P.O. Joseph, Chad Ruedel pairing. I do. I think it is phenomenal. The one thing they lack is probably net front aggression, aggression where they can get people out of the net front. But I think both of them together could be very good for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the ways uh, that they play the game. So I'm going to leave you with that thought as we head to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Penguins-Panthers and preview tonight's game number 30, as Horowitz just mentioned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. The Pens take on the Panthers tonight in Sunrise, Florida, as they look to extend their season-long win streak to seven games. The Florida Panthers, not quite the team that they were last season, but they're still dangerous in their own right. 14-12-4 on the season, good for fourth in the Atlantic Division behind a couple of really good teams right now, and the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, specifically. But if you look at the Panthers, they're still one of the top five teams in all major analytical categories, according to hockey, or sorry, natural stat trick uh, at five on five. They're just expected goals, Corsi, all those numbers. They are top five, top three in all of them. So this is going to be a battle at five on five, and, and the real game might be decided by special teams, which the Pittsburgh Penguins have been excelling at 
throughout this win streak. So I feel like that's going to be a key once again tonight. Can you stay out of the penalty box? One. Two, can your penalty kill continue this momentum? And three, more importantly, can your power play net a goal once again? I mean, you're going to probably get an opportunity for that. you got to remember we're playing against the Kachuk again. That is true. <laughs> that is very see, true. We're seeing the Kachuk brothers a little more often now that uh, this one, it's Matthew, is uh, in the east this in Florida. One. <laughs> this one. Uh, the, the mm, I was about to say the less annoying one, but... Uh, man, the more talented one, in my opinion. Sorry, Sens Ooh. fans. No, you might be right about that. <clears throat> Uh, but it's regardless, ton of fun that he's leading the team in points. I think I saw on Jacob's piece this morning. Also, penalty minutes. <laughs> well then, hello. This team he, is he is a Kachuk. He's a Kachuk, and it shows. Fourteen goals, twenty-five assists for thirty-nine and forty-five penalty minutes. So you're going to get your chance with a power play, boys. It, mm -hmm. And it is most likely going to be from a penalty from Kachuk. The bonuses, and I don't know if this is a bonus. Currently not in the lineup, I believe he's injured, is Patrick Hornquist. So there goes that net yep. front presence. We don't have to worry about that mm -hmm. as much as we love the guy. Uh, he's now a, he's now an opponent. It's this, The love is not the same. Um, also, I love reading. They have eight injuries on their uh, hockey reference page. Two of them are Chris Tierney. His name is listed on here twice. <laughs> he's, really like, injured he's really injured. He's really injured. He's really injured. No, it's just... One day after another, I guess they forgot to take the one off. Uh, he left a game early and then was announced to have a concussion the next day. But anyway, uh, yeah, there's some players that are down that uh, we don't know who's coming around. I mean, if it's Spencer Knight or Sergei Bobrovsky, I think there's an interesting concept in goal that this team is good, but also just thoroughly mediocre. I don't know what it is. There's, they're definitely not the same Panthers from last year. We, no, it, it would have been hard that. for them to repeat that performance. Yeah, but even last year when we were watching them do that performance, I, the whole conversation last year was, can they continue this? And no. they kind of could, all season at least. But then clearly into this year they can't. Mm -hmm. Different team, though. You know, It's got a different, oh, yeah. different outfit this year. Uh, but that goaltending, it's fine, it, I guess. It, it's interesting. I mean, Spencer Knight at this point has nearly taken over entirely. Uh, for Sergei Bobrovsky. So they have a $10 million or near $10 million. I can't remember what the actual number is right now. But a lot of money uh, for a guy that is a backup goaltender on your team with an 889 save percentage. So Spencer Knight is the guy down there right now in Florida. The only question being, is he going to start in tonight's game? Because he has missed the last four games, I believe. I saw that he was sick, but I also saw a report that said he's good to go. It's just a matter of will they start him against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you're either going to see Spencer Knight with a 919 save percentage, who is a very young up-and-coming goaltender, not quite yet in the Thatcher-Demko sweepstakes where we're saying he's going to be the best goaltender in the league every single year, despite him not quite showing it ever. Uh, to this point, except for in the bubble playoffs, I believe. Um, but Sergei Bobrovsky, a $10 million man uh, wearing a baseball cap, is certainly not a good sign for uh, for Zito down there in uh, in Florida. It's it's not. And yeah, I can't confirm. It's $10 million AAV. Oh, His total salary, Lord. if you want to get real fun, he's getting paid $12 million this year in actual cash. That's a lot of baseball hats. That's a, <laughs> Plenty of caps can be worn. I mean, yeah, the salary goes down from here on in, but still, for him to be taken over this year at his peak, not good. Um, and also, Spencer Knight has a new contract kicking in next year. Even better. Yeah. He'll be making four or five. Now, you know, 
it's a little more respectable for a young goaltender. He's only 21. Yeah, uh, and I think with what he's shown in those flashes, that could end up being a very good deal for them. The only problem is they're 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 pairing it with a bad deal. They're pairing with a 34 year old man who's making 10 million dollars a year. That contract didn't make sense when he signed it. What was that? That contract didn't make sense when he signed it. It didn't. But then last year happened. <laughs> I mean, it was five years yeah. in the making, but... Correct, but, like, you're really paying that much money for one year of relevance and a second-round exit? Or did they even make it to the second round? I don't remember. Yeah, they did. They beat the Caps, and then they got thoroughly... Schlacked. Words that I probably shouldn't say on on, <laughs> on any platform against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm yeah, sure. it's... I mean, he... Bobrovsky is every year is a different season. You know, he has his good year, then his bad year, his good year, then his bad year. He won two Vezinas, right? Two? I two? Think. How is the first question? <clears throat> With Columbus, no less. Yeah, two time Vezina winner. He had no defense. <laughs> and one was his, he won his first one in his first year with Columbus. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Anyway, yeah. and it's such a weird concept. He also played 60 games a year. That could have mm-hmm. helped. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a tangents that are happening here, but the Penguins will have a goalie to, to face, whether mm-hmm. it is Correct. Spencer Knight or Sergei Bobrovsky, and I think those are both goalies that they can handle. Again, it's going to be all about the players in front of them because while this team is good, it's just thoroughly mediocre, and sometimes mediocre teams pop off. That's mm-hmm. one of those things you just never know. They're unpredictable, mm-hmm. and if they if they can pull through and have a good performance, uh, it's a little something to worry about for the Penguins because the Panthers are a hard team to beat sometimes. They are. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things in my 26 years on this planet, but I have yet to see an NHL head coach decide to start the game with an empty net. So, yes, they will be playing a goalie tonight for a while. They will be playing a goalie. Um, but, no, uh, we, we mentioned injuries. The Pittsburgh Penguins going in. We talked about it in the first segment. Without Jason Zucker, without Jeff Petrie, but you also got into it a little bit too. Spencer Knight has missed the last four games. Uh, Patrick Hornfist was placed on LTIR last week. Anthony Duclair has yet to play this season, and he is progressing, but he will not be good to go for tonight. That's a huge name for them because he had 30 goals last year. So talk about why they might have leveled off. That is going to play a factor in there as well. But from the Penguin side of things for tonight's matchup, we talked about we need Danton Heinen to be good Danton Heinen for the second line. Because regardless, I do think you're going to see some positive play from you know Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust, who are both having pretty good seasons. But the key to me is going to be that third line. You mentioned it, and uh, Nino on Twitter loved it, that you said, I don't need goals from the fourth line. Just go out there and do what you do. Don't give up any goals. Well, when you're down one of your top six forwards, that goal production needs to come from somewhere. And to me... That puts the pressure on the third line a lot. Like, Brock McGinn, eight goals this season. That's great. Like, I'm happy with it. But playing in a third-line role with Jeff Carter and and Kasperi Kapanen, we're going to need more from that collective three right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Especially with the uh, steadiness that Kapanen might be hitting. I mean, you never know. The wheels could fall off, but as of right now, I think things have been fairly okay. I'm trying to... See, he had a hat trick. I think he had an assist somewhere following his hat trick game. Yeah. Um, so as long as he's able to maintain some form of consistency and really maintain his new pace, 
now that he's going to be back in the lineup. Utilize the speed the proper way. Um, utilize his shot the right way and get to the front of the net for the love of God. You yeah. know, the, the whole thing that everyone was begging him to do, and guess what? It finally worked out. All four of his goals since returning have been in or within four feet of the crease. It is time to plant there if as mm-hmm. best as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Panthers are, aren't a small team. I think Sullivan said before the Dallas game that the pen that the Pens have to win those net front battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and that, that's something Sullivan's going to preach every game. But when teams are bigger, like the Dallas Stars were, you got to really drive in that uh, fact that you need to win those games and mm-hmm. win those battles. And if Kapanen's able to do that and find a, find another goal again, yeah, he hasn't scored since the hat trick. What else is new? But a couple yeah. of assists since then, so. Yes, and I, I think in general that third line is coming around. Obviously, we talked about McGinn got another goal here in recent memory. We have Jeff Carter, who scored the overtime winner against Buffalo. Kapanen, of course, you have to go back a little bit further, but he had that hat trick and four goals in two games. They're not going to score a goal every game. They're not. You can't expect that from them because they're a third line, and that's what they are. But you need to have them scoring those bigger goals. You need to have them actually just playing better on the ice. I I think there's a couple of times where I've noticed that third line gets out there, the puck doesn't quite stay in the Penguins' possession all that much. The Penguins need them to be defensively sound specifically. And two, they need them to play in the offensive zone to wear down the other team because if the other team's wore down... Listen, Penguins first line, one of the best in hockey. Second line, when healthy, one of the best in hockey. So you know what you need to do. You just need to go out there, score maybe once every four games, three every, games. Every now and again. That's <clears throat> it, like, is that, am I asking too little or too much with that? Four or three games? It's That might be right on the nose. It's extremely hard to say because of the personnel that's on it. If, you know, we, we talked last week about possibly, you know, with, with a – uh, Brock Besser trade, pinning him on the third line. Suddenly it's, okay, how about every other game? How about, you know, maybe closer to, <clears throat> to every three? Given the personnel that is on this line right now of Carter, Kapanen, McGinn, suddenly you're looking at, yeah, one every four is acceptable just because we know these guys aren't going to score the same way they used to. Jeff Carter's not leaving this line, by the way, because no. he does not stop when He cannot stop winning faceoffs. He's not leaving that line. He's just not. He doesn't have to do anything else. Mike Sullivan's going to look at that and go, that's all he needs to do. He's staying there. Um, That's a dumb concept, but hey, shift him to the wing if you need to and adjust. I don't know. but You you need face-off wins on the fourth line, too. That's all I'll say. Yeah, you do. But here's the thing. Jeff Carter also said it himself. They're starting almost all of their shifts in the defensive zone, so it's hard for them to gain offense whenever they're literally just starting waving to Jari. Like, they're right next to him, starting their play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the average NHL shift is like 40-some seconds. If they don't get it out into the other zone in the next 40 seconds, well, they're off the ice, next line's going on. Yeah. So it's a hard spot for them to be in, so the production's not going to be there. But as long as their defensive game is fine, you at least have that going for you. As long as they're mm-hmm. not pick- collecting minuses, um, they have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. It, it, again, it's not a recipe for production, but uh, it's a recipe for something, and it could be helpful. So with the Penguins going up against the Panthers tonight, we're going to hope to extend their season-long winning streak to seven games, but we're going to hope to extend this episode out to another segment as we take a break right here and come back and talk about 
the next nine games for the Pittsburgh Penguins because it is going to be a rough stretch. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast. Check out all our videos on Inside the Penguins on YouTube. And of course, you can listen to this wherever you get your podcasts from. But let's look ahead to the Penguins' next nine games, because I wanted to do this last episode. A lot of stuff came up. So if you include the Dallas Stars game, which the Penguins already have a W in in that column, uh, they're one zero in the stretch of ten. But if you look at the rest of the the 2022 and then the opening week of 2023, next nine games, seven of them are against playoff teams. Five of them are against playoff teams in your division in the Metropolitan, and five of them are also on the road starting tonight in Florida. So. Uh, just to run down through it quickly for those that haven't looked up the schedule coming up. They have the Panthers tonight. Then they're at Carolina this weekend. Next week, they have the Rangers at home, the Hurricanes once again at home. Then they have the Christmas break, come back from Christmas break, and they have three games in four days, which is the Islanders at UBS Arena, the Red Wings at home, the Devils at home for the first time this season. They take on New Jersey. Then, of course, they get two days off and head to Fenway Park to take on the Boston Bruins in the Winter Classic. And then they'll head out west for a short road trip, as Horat mentioned earlier, taking on Vegas on January 5th. That's their next nine games. The only two teams not currently in the playoffs in that rundown. The Panthers tonight, not in the playoff position, and the Detroit Red Wings on December 28th. Every other team is currently in a playoff position, five of them coming from the Metropolitan Division. Oh, the Panthers did fall out of a spot. Oh, the Red Wings fell out of a spot. They oh, did. Oh, it's oh, all me- There's five Metropolitan Division teams in playoff positioning range. Just whenever I thought the Metro wasn't going to be as good this year. Wow. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, that shakes things up a lot. Yeah, it's this is a hell of a run. This is an important run because, like you mentioned, I think the most important part of it is all those Metro teams because it's a dogfight right now. There's only four points separating the Carolina Hurricanes and the Penguins because we both have 38 mm-hmm. for second in the Metro and the Capitals in sixth. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah, these next few games for the Penguins specifically, I don't know who everyone else is playing. I don't know what their Metro division, you know, competitors look like are huge for standings mm-hmm. points. And yeah, the Penguins look like the hottest team in the league right now or one of the, if not like one or two, it's up there. Um, they better hold on to that streak. They better not all of a sudden be like, all right, our streak is in. Uh, here come a couple of cold games. Can't have that. No. <clears throat> they got to be maintaining some sort of momentum, picking up of these nine. Hell, six, seven wins. I was about to say, I, I think the Penguins, especially because of the way the NHL is, is kind of configured and how important it is to win games in your division and to get good seating in your division. The fact that you're playing all these games against Metropolitan teams, you're going to need to win those ones specifically, but I mean, you just need to win in general. I mean, that's five of the nine, but you look at these other games, you can't drop a game to the Detroit Red Wings at home. 
Like, you can't do that. That's that's a bad spot to lose on a, the second half of a back-to-back after a game against the Islanders. Like, that is a game where the Pittsburgh Penguins are in serious danger of losing just simply because you know you're going to get Casey DeSmith in net that game. At least I'm 85% sure that Casey DeSmith's going to be in net. You're on the second half of the back-to-back, and they're going to be looking ahead to the New Jersey Devils, who are the team to beat in the Metropolitan Division and coming up in two days. So that's a tough spot for them, and that's probably the easiest team on their schedule in the next three weeks. Man, this is horrifying. But you know, we've proven to be beating some good teams. You know, they have. Yeah, Vegas was a great team. Excuse me. I mean, say what you want about St. Louis. I mean, the way we handled them was kind of nice. I mean, they're not the same team anymore. But there's that. I mean, we shut Tage Thompson down and for two straight games for one point, and then Jason Robertson and the very again not your father's Dallas Stars. Um, for no points in a in in a very playoff like atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason Zucker played injured. Yeah, it's <laughs> this. It's <clears throat> there is confidence rolling in this team that they can get that sort of thing done. That they can roll through this next stretch and find the victories. You just got to win the right ones. It is going mm-hmm. to be about beating your metro opponents and um, collecting point as many points as you can. As I fly through this list again mm-hmm. it'll be big to win in carolina for sure yes that's gonna be the big one because that's who we're in the dog fight with you want to beat the rangers just because of last season you know? yeah that's your first game against the rangers since the playoffs yeah you're gonna come into that with a little bit of fire and you hope to catch them on a streak where they're still not playing with confidence you know who knows if they've fully rebuilt out of that mindset yet who knows if uh Shesterkin has mended his mental state after saying he's not good right now um so who knows what kind of spot they'll be in uh, carolina again oh boy <laughs> and you got your christmas break the devils okay as good as the devils are they're the team to beat are they the same devils like how, we haven't seen them yet ourselves are they this are they a new form of the devils like how we kept saying it's not the same buffalo sabers it's not the same dallas stars is this not the same new jersey devils I think it is closer than those other two teams because, I mean, the St. Louis Blues, the Dallas Stars, they're changing the entire way that they play hockey. Mm-hmm. Those two teams were big Western Conference. We're going to beat you down and win this game one to nothing teams. And now, you know, the insertion of Jason Robertson, Jordan Cairo, even Buffalo Sabres, you, you add Tage Thompson. It's like, yeah, we can play that high-speed, high-flying offense game. And uh, the Devils were a team that were predicated for the last two seasons on high-speed, high-flying offense. They just now have a goaltender, and play very good defensive hockey, a.k.a. John Marino is having a hell of a season. Um, But I think that's the thing you look at also. To me, and this is one of the last points I'll make on on this next nine games, this is a vastly important streak here of nine for Tristan Jari because all of these teams are very good at putting the biscuit in the basket. They're very high-flying, very high-paced teams. I mean, who isn't? The Islanders, maybe the Red Wings, but you look at the rest. Carolina, we know what they are. New York plays a high-tempo game with those stars at the top of their lineup. New Jersey, they're all like 12 years old. So yeah, they have good legs. The Boston Bruins are one of the... Okay, the Boston Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights on the road, back-to-back that week, even though you have two days in between. Those are... That is the toughest two-game stretch probably the Penguins are going to face all season. One of them's you're going to be adding elements. You're outside. 
Like, add, add to it. You're going to be playing in Boston, no less. I get it's not the Garden, but it's Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm not saying Red Sox fans are going to be that. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. It's yeah, they are. Boston. are Bo- Boston fans are Boston fans. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't dissect which teams they root for. They root for Boston. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's Bruins, Red Sox, Patriots. This it's isn't Boston. Th- Celtics. Yeah, this, I don't want to leave out the Celtics. This isn't Pittsburgh, where everyone has their has and their nobody, niche of sports fandom here. Yeah. Um, it's it is Boston. Yeah. You know, it's Fenway Park. It's a little different. Fenway Pack. So Did you the, pack the cat to have it yet? They're going to have to. They're going to have to figure something out in Boston because, again, like I said, it's not the Garden, Mm-mm. but it's an elemental game. It's, you're playing outside, and the Penguins have not historically been great outdoors. Yeah. This might be the last outdoor game for, and we'll talk about this, of course, when it comes closer to time, but uh, this might be the last outdoor game for Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Let's bookend your career with a nice victory, right? The first outdoor game was in Buffalo. Fantastic, great elements. This has all the makings of them, hopefully, uh, closing the book on the outdoor game stretch for them. Because, it, like you said, it will be uh, a shit sandwich with two gourmet pieces of, of croissant on the end. And then, oh my god, what is happening in the middle? And don't forget about that one win at Heinz Field, though. I was at, yeah, we were both at we that were game. At that, that, was a, that was a fun game. Pizza Fiesta tasted really good afterwards. It might have been because we were both drunk. Um, but no, that was fun. It started to snow, even though it was 70 degrees the day before. And, and, and tell me that wasn't the wildest. Well, listen, we could go, I could go over outdoor game stories till the dogs come home. This is the first one I'm missing, by the way. Bonus episode. Absolutely. Bonus episode. There we go. Which is Horwat story time, where I tell you my adventures through all of the outdoor games. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've been to one. I'll say, yeah, like, this is the first one I'm missing. I'm, it's going to suck missing it because I've also always wanted to go to Fenway. But, um, how should have tried hell, to get credentials, man. How the hell did we get here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know because we ran out of topics, and I think that means we ran out of time for this episode. That's going to do it for this one of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back on Monday with a new episode of Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But if you want more Pens talk, you don't have to wait that long. Check out penguins to go coming out tomorrow i'm going to be talking a little bit about one of the most unsung heroes on the pittsburgh penguins and the one guy that could be the key to the penguins sixth stanley cup run but that's going to do it for this one we will see you guys coming down the pike have a great one times fans